Hello, hello, and welcome to KB Talks, powered by the NKBA, the only podcast dedicated to growing and supporting the kitchen and bath industry. I'm your host, Elle Millard, Industry Relations Manager at the NKBA and your designer about town. Our topic today is on the connected home. We've all had our lives impacted one way or another by technology, and kitchen and bath design is no exception. Technology usage in the kitchen means so much more than just Googling a recipe on your iPad. There's new levels of connectivity and integration that are changing how we work. I've gathered up some folks today who are really at the forefront of how technology is changing and what's possible in kitchen and bath design, not only from the client offering standpoint, but also as a business development and communications tool. But before I tell you who's with us today, let's hear a quick word from Monogram Appliances. Monogram is more than luxury appliances. Monogram is the experience. We are inspired by life and the way you live. With high style, superior craftsmanship, and award-winning technology, our products raise the bar on what's possible in your kitchen designs. Our industry-leading induction cooktops, connected ovens, custom panel refrigerators, Advantium speed cooking ovens, and premium dishwashers blend seamlessly into your dream kitchen projects. Whether for yourself or your clients, Monogram helps you push the boundaries of gourmet style and create a kitchen fit for a chef. Okay, we're back, and I'm excited to introduce you to our guest today. We have Alex Capasolatro, the co-founder and CEO of Josh.ai, a voice-controlled home automation system. Alex is the guy to speak to when it comes to smart devices and futuristic innovations in the home. So we're thrilled to have him with us today. Also with us today, we have Katie McGregor-Bennett, the CEO of KMB Communications, an agency that isn't your typical agency. KMB is a strategic communication firm that serves and amplifies the AV industry with 28 years of experience under their belts. I can't wait for Katie to share some of that knowledge with us today. And rounding out our panel of guests is designer Tony Sabatino, owner of Tony Sabatino Style and the NKBA Manhattan Chapter President. Tony is a leading kitchen designer based in the New York area with a passion for tech and its integration into interior design. So welcome everyone. Hi, Elle. Hi, Elle. Nice to join you. Hey, it's great to be here. All right, so let's start with Alex. Can you tell our listeners what Josh AI is all about? Sure, happy to. Josh AI is a smart home automation company that got launched about four years ago with a real focus on artificial intelligence and voice control. When we came about, this was sort of pre-Amazon Echo, pre-Google Home, and the idea was that we just wanted to make interacting with your home really, really simple, but really magical. And that's where voice comes in. Building a strong voice platform in the home is, in my opinion, the simplest way to control your lights, your TVs, your music, your thermostats, your pool heater, whatever you want to control. And so that's really what we're focused on. It's that user experience and trying to make sure that our clients have a really delightful time in their homes. Alex, can you tell us how voice control has almost unlimited applications and how it's one of the greatest applications for technology and its accessibility? Absolutely. Prior to voice control, the smart home has actually been around for probably 50 years now, when you think back to the origins and and really what people used to have. And the interface in the beginning was all physical. You know, you had 
light switches and thermostats and physical connections. And over time, that really grew to be more of a digital um, interface using apps to control your music for Sonos or your Lutron lights using the Lutron app. And what we found was while that was great for some amount of people, for a lot of people, the apps are either confusing, they're a little slow to load. When you walk into a room, you don't want to pull out your phone and have to unlock it and navigate to an app. And so voice control is really the great equalizer. What voice control does is it makes it pretty uniform and pretty easy to control almost everything if it's set up properly. For example, you could say something like, turn on the TV, turn on the lights, turn on the thermostat, turn on the pool heater. And all of those commands to a normal user seem to be the exact same thing or just turning a device on. But prior to voice control, that was actually a fairly complicated setup. You might need to have tons of buttons, switches, and keypads. And so voice control really makes it a lot easier. The other thing is we have many, many clients who are either on the younger side or the older side where using an app or using a phone might not be the most natural interface. And so take my dad, for example. He's a 77-year-old um, technophobe. He doesn't like technology. He's kind of afraid of smartphones, and he doesn't even use a personal computer. My dad, for a long time, was not you know, really using anything in the house from you know, a smarts perspective. And then we gave him some voice control, and we said, if you want to listen to an artist, just say, play the Beatles, play you know, Coldplay, and it's just going to work. If you want to turn on the TV, all you have to do is say, turn on the TV. And next thing we knew, he was using this stuff every single day. So voice control, in many ways, is just the, the simpler sort of next frontier of how to interact with your home. Of course, it is still very much in, in, in its infancy. Voice doesn't always work as well as you want, depending on the platform. Sometimes you do have to do a little bit of training, but that's because we're really at phase one. As voice begins to mature, you're going to find that it works in the most natural way, and it's just getting better and better. Isn't it amazing? I have twins, and um, they're three now, but since they were very, very young, they would you know, shout out commands and put each other in timeout. It's amazing how... Um, intuitive this process is. Um, so let's, uh, let's hear from Tony and see, you know, from your perspective, um, I know you're ahead of the curve in terms of bringing connected technology into the homes for your clients. Can you describe the process and design philosophy for our audience? Sure. Um, yeah, the, the first time I, I got involved with working with a smart home was about 15 years ago. Um, it was a 9,500 square foot home uh, here in New York on Long Island and had such things as three 100 uh, CD changers and a, a disc Riviera system on a Yamaha piano in addition to lights, uh, cameras at the people's front gate, you know, camera in the, the playroom that you could watch on a specific channel in the kitchen. Um, it, was, it was pretty intense and, and I learned a lot then and, and was certainly very intrigued. Um, so fast forward to now, uh, my philosophy basically is that I want the user to have a great experience. I want to make the place look beautiful and, and I want the people to have it operate well. And I think as designers, it's important for us to really delve into how people live, um, how they want to control, you know, their, their home, their security, their comfort level. Uh, and I think we need to have a user experience that really equals our aesthetic. So I will delve into people and first they'll say, oh no, I don't think I, I want any of that, but we'll delve into how they live and talk about the fact that they bank on their phone, um, maybe pay their credit card bills, 
uh, that they're comfortable texting, you know, they don't always have to talk and, and realize how much they use the phone as a personal assistant. Um, at that point, it becomes natural to talk to them about um, having their phone control more of their environment. Uh, as far as apps are concerned, I'm in favor of some of the companies that have put out a single app where all of your, your smart devices um, are all in one location. Uh, as far as the voice is concerned, I was introduced to Josh AI at the studio show on uh, the Design Connection um, tour and was absolutely amazed. I saw Josh uh, operate in the Josh AI booth as well as in the Lutron booth and was just blown away by how conversational speaking um, is what, you know, just conversational speaking and it understood you and, and operated the, the window shades and, and the, um, the AV equipment, really very fascinating stuff. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, so Katie uh, with KB, KMB Communications, how are you seeing the differences in how you market or communicate in new smart home innovations across age demographics? Thanks. Yeah, you know, it's, um, I think there's a couple of things here. It's one that it's across age demographics, but it's also sort of the technical capacity or interest level across, across those demographics. Um, and, and so I think that it's, from a communication standpoint, it's important that number one, you know, we always understand who our audience is. Um, and, and part of that is demo, but part of that is, is tech, interest in technology and need for technology in their life. Uh, and then applying that to that particular audience um, there's also, you know, and I think once we understand who the audience is and we, and, and speak to them in sort of a, a language tone message phrase, um, that's familiar and comfortable to them, um, and making sure that your communications really are broad based, but will resonate with that intended audience. So, which is to say whether with sort of the next generation, younger audiences, um, 20, 30 year olds in that, in sort of that. 20 year age span, um, much more comfortable in shorthand, much more comfortable, much more engaged with emojis, um, shorthand, um, GIFs, in, photos, funny photos, those kinds of things. As far as being attention grabbers and attention getters, there still needs to be a message that hooks them beyond that. But as far as the, the things up front that really are, are interesting and appealing and what sort of they what they do in their in their language um, on social media especially you know once you get out of sight of 35 40 45 and more into into that established um, more professional demographic we find that taking away those emojis taking away uh, you know a lot of the gifts and sort of the the younger style of communicating with each other and being much more direct in that conversation but direct and, and educational um, we strive to always educate and inspire so that we not only teach you something, but we also inspire you to do something with that knowledge, whether it's apply it to, you, to something in your daily living or with our clients to go and apply that then with, with their audiences. But I think the, the bigger thing is, you know, looking then is how the older um, demographics and what Alex was talking to with his father, you know, there's, there's an entire generation that didn't have technology as omnipresent in their lives as I think everybody here on the call today is and has been. And so, you know, I think it's, we still have to take into consideration that there's a, a large um, number within our within our community that isn't familiar with technology, and so just introducing them to things on a very basic level 
and what that technology can do so as to get them to really embrace it. Alex gave a really good example with his dad and voice. And I would say that in my family, it's the same way. And I, I bet you if we went around the table here, everybody will say the same thing. If like, you know, my mom, she sees a remote, and she freaks out. I mean, it's just, she doesn't know what to do. And she starts randomly pressing buttons. And that's, that's the fear of every AV integrator out there is don't punch all the buttons all at once. So if you can just speak to it, so much more simple. And, and particularly for the older age groups, that's really appealing. And that's, in my experience, that's enter with something simple like that that's understandable and they'll lean in and they start to actually get interested in technology because it is cool you know it's a tony said it used to be sci-fi now it's sci-fact and you know they've seen that transition so again you know i think it's really about all about understanding your audience and really shaping the message and shaping the way that you present that message in a way that's comfortable and that will resonate and age appropriate <laughs> you know like hemlines um you know should be age appropriate and and always kind of driving with a with a common voice and a comfortable comfortable message yeah, and just just something to add to that which we found to be really interesting when we started this company we thought it was going to be a, a slightly younger demographic that was really looking to be technology forward folks that wanted the coolest latest thing um so while that is true what we found to be really interesting and really exciting is the older demographic is really the, the prime target that's just adopting this stuff. So for example, we had a client in her 70s sign on, get the system installed about maybe six months ago, and a month or two into it, her AV integrator sent us a message saying, she's so loving voice control in her home, she forgot she can control her lights with light switches. She's using voice for everything. And this was just so cool because this was not the target demographic that we thought we're going to be buying into voice control, but it turned out to be the exact perfect demographic because it made their lives just simpler and it made things work so much better. I think that too, you can add in people that have disabilities. Um, part, of, uh, part of the excitement that I have with technology is um, I'm a certified living in place professional. And you know, you're, you're taught really to, to view the challenges that people have um, from a, a different point of view. And, um, it's really interesting to delve into the small challenges people may have with, um, I don't know, with, with controlling their home, uh, with stability issues, or maybe they have a relative that has a cognitive problem, or perhaps somebody um, has compromised mobility. So as far as these like sliding cabinet doors and, and simple things that you think of, technology adds a whole new dimension. And it just can help so many people. So, um, so that's very exciting to me as a designer. Yeah. I love the idea of the smart toilet. And I know that, you know, it's taking a while to come into the U.S. market. Uh, but we're finally getting there. And we're starting to see some differences with technology in the water closet and being able to reduce infection, which is uh, reducing cost for Medicare and Medicaid. Uh, so all those types of things are really helpful with something that's so, so simple as being able to use a smart toilet or a wash system in the, in the water closet area. Well, to that too, you know, people think that it's just for people that are aging. It's not. Anyone who's been skiing and broken an arm or a leg really appreciates the, uh, the hygienic toilet. So I just figured I would throw that in there. 
that's a good point. That's a really good point, Tony. And I'll, I'll throw in too. So we, we were talking on another show last week about some of the technologies that were shown and being showcased out at CES. And, and lo and behold, if the smart toilet didn't come up, it's funny how often that one's coming up just sort of in casual conversation across the board from, you know, the, our designer goal over to our AB integration. Um, and the thing is, is it's coming up as sort of that, that anecdote that people are using. But when you kind of focus in on it a second, it, it really does make all the sense in the world from what that capability is. And like Tony said, it isn't just for the aging demographic either. And I think, you know, taking it away from the toilet now, if we can, into the rest of the house, you know, the way that technology is now incorporating into smart mirrors, into the shower, into the kitchen, into ovens and stoves and ranges and microwaves and espresso machines. Tony, you've, you've opened my eyes to a ton of this. And it's just, there's, there's so much technology going on now. It's all about the experience though. And so this is where I think it's really cool that technology and design have merged and that it's both of them collectively are focusing on that, on the experience. So it just, I think it's, it's in a fascinating time. And, uh, you know, some of these technologies that we kind of want to joke about, they actually are really, they are, they're leading somewhere. And um, I think we're really starting to see that take shape this year. So. Well, we're at the forefront. So it's, it's really great to be able to look at something like the smart mirror that allows you to, uh, to engage with your world, you know, as you're getting ready to face it. I love that. I love that so much that you can connect with your world and, and have um, the small screen be, uh, be some sort of streaming video or your email. You can talk to it. I mean, how fascinating. Um, and it's a, a really interesting time for kitchen and bath designers because we're, we're in early when the house is open. So, you know, you want to involve someone um, to integrate Josh into your project, you know, you're right there at the beginning. You're not coming in later with the throw pillows and the draperies. Do you all have um, suggestions? Because this can be so overwhelming uh, for a consumer or other designers, frankly, as to where to start. What is the go-to products that you feel are must-haves when you're specifying things for a client, Tony? Or, um, you know, how, how are you giving them that experience that is not breaking the budget, and still allowing them to be able to utilize technology and adapt as it comes down for future use. So what are some, what are some go-to products that you would absolutely recommend for all of your clients? Before the products, I just want to say that um, designers should also understand, I talked before about the, the 100 CD changer, right? All that stuff is obsolete. And at this point, we've come to a place where cloud-based technology has removed the fear of obsolescence. And you can start small and you can add. So, you know, you may have Josh controlling one room in your house and then decide you wanna add another room. All these things are possible um, with the wiring correct. And, and I think Alex can speak a little more to that. But it, the first place to be is in the lifestyle analysis. Really talk to your clients about how they live. Don't be afraid to suggest the hygienic toilet. You know, if there are skiers or, or avid athletes, or maybe they have aging parents. So really finding out how people live, what they're passionate about. Um, you know, I've got clients as well that, that don't want to look at the television. They feel like it's a big black eyeball. And now there's a multitude of choices. So you can have the TV show or work of art. You can have something um, that I love. Actually, if we can name names here, Leon Speakers had a really beautiful piece of art that slid up over a television and then slid back down. Um, I've done risers from, uh, from Nexus um, that come up out of a piece of, um, of millwork. Um, so there are so many so many fascinating ways to address this. Um, some expensive, some not so much. And I was pretty blown away by um, 
by the cost effectiveness of, of a lot of these devices. Um, the Josh looks like it would be, you know, something that would be a, a bank breaker and it isn't, you know, and, and I say that because it does so much that you just somehow figure it's going to be super expensive. You know, we heard the pricing on, on some of these things and, and, um, and felt really good about telling the client, you know what, you're investing this much money in your home. So invest this little bit more money in your lifestyle and, and really make it work for you, for, for safety, for security, for comfort. Uh, that's pretty much uh, how I look at it all. Yeah, and Alex, you're just jumping in. I, I agree with everything that Tony said. I mean, super spot on. One thing though that I think we sometimes miss and forget <clears throat> is I might get excited about a product or Tony or Katie might get excited about a product, but it's not necessarily right for the client. And so really having a good conversation with the client about what they care about. For example, I have a, a fairly large home here in Los Angeles, but we don't really do a lot of TV watching. So TVs are not big for me, but we have clients that have 20 TVs or 30 TVs, <clears throat> and that becomes really big for them. Um, that being said, there are a couple staples that we find work in most every home. Um, music is a really big one for a lot of people. You know, it's extremely emotional. It allows you to set the tone and the mood for either a room or your entire home very quickly. And to that extent, just to name a, a couple products, I'm super, super happy with what Sonos has done with their new Connect amp, because this is a basically a media server that lives um, in the rack or somewhere that you're not gonna see, and then it can get wired to any functional speakers in the home. So in my house, we have these connected to in-ceiling speakers that you don't even see. In some homes, they get connected to really high power beautiful architectural speakers, but you're gonna get the beauty and the, really the brains of the software behind Sonos, which allows you to play any song, any artist, any album on any streaming service immediately. It's pretty incredible. The other thing that's worth noting is some smart home ecosystems are, are basically multiple devices that have to interact with each other. So for example, companies like Crestron, Savant, and Control4, do a brilliant job if you live within their walled garden, but they don't always play as well if you wanna work with devices outside of their ecosystem. So it's important that you sort of think about the whole home as a, a full system rather than doing a piecemeal, because you might find that you get all excited about the Control 4 app, but then you wanna use a different thermostat and they're not gonna play well together. Okay. So you, have to, you have to really think about that. And to that extent, I'm a huge fan of trying to do what, what this very podcast is all about, and bridge the design professional and the AV professional because there's so much that we spend years learning and getting trained on and trying to understand that you won't know if you're not really invested heavily in the industry. And so the idea of trying to get an AV integrator and an interior designer partnered up at the beginning of a project, that in my opinion is the best way to make sure that you deliver a great experience for the end customer. Yeah, and where do you recommend um, designers go to source an integrator? It's a great question. Um, and luckily, there are a number of opportunities. It's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all. Um, to start on the AV side, there's an organization called CEDIA, C-E-D-I-A. And CEDIA has an a, um, industry conference that takes place in September. This year, it's going to be in Denver. I highly recommend if you get the chance to go to Cedia just to walk the floor, to meet professionals. There's a lot of training. Um, but if you don't get a chance, the Cedia website has a great members directory. So you can basically search and try to find 
what AV integrators are around in my area. The other thing that's worth noting is there's no clear certification for an AV integrator and the, the expertise varies pretty greatly. So when you're looking at an AV integrator, you want to try to see, are they a certified dealer of the various brands that you're working with? For example, if someone's going to sell Lutron product or Crestron product or Josh product, they're going to have a badge on their website that says that they're a certified dealer, which means they went through the training, they passed the test, they're certified to be a reseller. And when you're dealing with dealers who haven't gone through that, it's a much, uh, a much worse experience at the end of the day. Um, actually, Katie knows this industry so well. Katie, how would you jump in and add some uh, ideas on how to connect with integrators? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So as Alex said, CDA is a great, a great place to start. Again, that's the Custom Electronics Design and Installation Association. That's the organization. There also is an annual expo called CDA Expo. Um, takes place typically in September. It's a trade event, and it really focuses on, on residential technologies, particularly those that have a custom element to it, though as we're all facing, um, there's more of a mainstream component to everything that we do. So CDO has really started with, with this notion of the custom installation and integration aspect of it, making things a little bit more um, unique to each individual environment. Um, there also is another organization that you should be aware of, um, just generally speaking, it's called the Home Technology Association, um, htacertified.org. And they are similar to CDIA um, in the manner that they certify the actual integration firm but they do so on a number of criteria that's based on business, on the soundness of the business. So as a designer, architect, or uh, another tradesperson, understanding if somebody is a part of the CEDIA um, organization and the membership there and they're HTA certified, you know you've got a company that, that you can feel solid about making recommendations with and aligning your company with. So kind of just, I'm, I'm a brand cop in addition to uh, other things in my life. So it's a, just a good way to sort of make sure that your brand is protected as, as you're seeking other partners and other sources. Um, so those are two good ones. And then, you know, there's actually quite a few podcasts out there as well. If you take a, just jump over to iTunes or Google Play, wherever you consume your podcast um, information and look for home technologies. Um, there's, there's several, there's the AV Life, there's the Cedia Tech Council podcast, which is run by Cedia and is a, I think it's a weekly or a monthly digest of sort of tech happenings and things going on. Um, there's a bunch out there, actually, and I'll be launching another one in the future. I don't really want to do a pitch here, um, but Connecting Tech and Design will be uh, launching next month as well to integrate sort of those two worlds. But I think that the, the, this show here that the NKBA is putting on is, is really going to be a place for all of us to spend more time um, learning, leaning in, and engaging. But Katie, there's also uh, the opportunity to meet people at things like the Cloud9 Summit. So working with your associations um, where people are coming in to discuss what's new in technology is also very important. And you get to meet some great people that way to work with. Tony, I know you also do a lot with uh, product development, working with different manufacturers. I'm curious just to kind of pick your brain and see what advice do you give when working with manufacturers when they're looking at implementing technology in the home? I'm all in favor. Um, again, I'm, I'm not sure who we're supposed to name or not name here. Um, I love Control 4. Um, Alex uh, already mentioned them. And um, I, I think the idea of Control 4 basically has something, what am I talking about? They have something called Intercom Anywhere. So for my client that loves to bank with their smartphone and, and do everything with their smartphone and, you know, just hook their whole world into their smartphone, here's your house. 
and your Control 4 app is going to work um, with your security, your, your doorbell, your cameras, your sound system, uh, your video system. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's really pretty comprehensive. And now we've got a, a great new world of connected home appliances. Um, I just installed a whole bunch of stuff from Genair where you can operate it with your phone and Signature Kitchen Suite has a really great, uh, a really great setup where each burner, you can be cooking rice on one burner and something else on another burner and they're gonna be done at different times. You'll get different alerts to your phone that you know burner number one is ready or burner number four is ready. Um, in addition to your oven. And, and initially people were thinking, well, do I really need to talk to my toaster? And the bottom line is, yes, you really do. Um, you know, being able to, to turn things on and off uh, without actually being in the room, um, having that, that OCD moment where you, uh, you know, you're going to sleep, is the oven off, you know, or God help you if your mother might have uh, Alzheimer's, mine doesn't. Um, but, you know, hearing people talk about people wandering through the house uh, making sure that the house is secure, the appliances are turned off, the doors are locked. There's just so many, so many applications for tech to, to really enhance how we live. There for a while, I felt like, you know, we were just having technology to have it. But as you're saying, we're starting to see that connectivity where um, those features are needed. They're not just a bonus anymore. So we're, we're thinking about things in a different manner. And what I was getting at there is really, are we now focusing on sensors and alerts that are um, being push notifications to our phone versus just having technology for technology? Do you think that we're starting to go in a direction where we're starting to focus more on safety and the functionality versus just the whiz bang? Um, Absolutely. Absolutely, Ellen. That's what I tell the, the different companies when I'm invited to, uh, to visit and they'll ask an opinion. I mean, the whiz bang for me is the home theater. And that's a conversation that we can have all in and of itself. But, but I'm waiting for the point where the range is talking back to you through your Alex. Uh, I'm sorry, through your Josh. Um, I, I keep intermixing those two. But Josh is such a great name. You know, I remember Alex telling us when we were out at the show that it was... Um, uh, the dog head, right? It's it's something everybody loves, and, and your dog is loyal to you, and will take simple commands. But but I'm waiting for the the point where the dog starts barking back because I, I see that coming. What do you think, Alex? Absolutely. At, at Stadia this past September, we actually announced a new set of features, really introducing AI for the first time into our product. So historically, these systems that are called the smart home are really all about home control. You're telling your lights to turn on. You're telling your TV to turn off. But with AI, it's this notion of how can the home really get predictive and smart and kind of think for you. <clears throat> and so the set of features that we announced were recommendations that the home will make for you geared around a couple factors. One of them is safety and security. If your garage door during you know, weekday, during work, work hours is always closed and your garage door happens to open, you might get a push alert saying, hey, just a heads up your garage door is open, or if you're going to bed and your front door is unlocked. You know, these types of safety and security alerts are really important. We're also really focusing on the idea of energy management. You know, in a large home, you might forget that you've had a light on for three weeks straight, or your thermostat in the guest room is never turned off. And so our system is constantly monitoring for energy management to try to help let you know if there are things that 
can be better utilized or turned off. There's always, of course, the notion of just improved entertainment. If there's a new season of Stranger Things and the system has learned that you love that show, it might recommend, hey, Friday night, seems like you're in for the evening. Do you want to watch the new season of Stranger Things? So it's this idea of really bringing intelligence into the home that we're super excited about. And that definitely includes all of the safety and security and energy features. Sensors are a big part of that. But just, it's, it's so exciting where things are going. I, I'm, I'm excited. Awesome. Can you give us any insight as to what we can expect next without giving all the secrets away? Yeah, so there are two sides uh, to the equation. There's the home automation side, and then there's the voice control side. I'll kind of start on the voice side because that's a little bit more straightforward. Voice right now is not very personal, meaning if I, come, I give a command versus someone else in the household gives a command, the systems today, whether it's Amazon, Google, Siri, or Josh, we don't really do a lot to try to personalize for the person giving the command, and that's changing very rapidly. The idea is that we can identify who's speaking based on your voice. And so if Katie says, play my favorite music, versus if Tony says, play my favorite music, we might get you know the Backstreet Boys instead of the Beastie Boys or something like that. Yeah, you know, just trying to figure out music in my life. I think that would totally be right. <laughs> Except if Tony's backstreet, I'm beastie. <laughs> hey, I, I was watching Blondie and Elvis Costello come to the U.S. in 1978. Elvis Costello and Squeak. Anyway, fun conversations. Yeah, so, so Josh, we really like this notion of do what I want, not what I say. And it's that notion of just because I say to put on some music doesn't mean that I want a song called some music. It means I want the system to play the right type of music based on what room I'm in, who I am, what time of day it is. And this is where we're looking at, you know, if you're giving the command in the home gym versus in the dining room, the same user is going to actually have a different music preference based on location. So being much more contextual. So on the voice side, it's really filling in the gaps based on, you know, just that, that lack of spoken information, but the contextual information. And then on the home automation side, it's the idea that the, the system is starting to learn what the normal status of the home might look like. So for example, on a Friday morning, typically the bedroom lights turn on, CNN turns on, maybe some light music comes on, all of that goes off, the garage opens, the garage closes, the system determines that this happens almost every day. Well, on you know the fifth Friday when something doesn't happen, maybe the garage doesn't close, the system's gonna basically know hey, this is unusual, it doesn't mean it needs to do something, but it's gonna alert the user. So the idea of really getting smart by understanding anomalies and understanding things that are just out of the ordinary that might be interesting for the user to know about. So, silly question. Um, in the event that power goes out and we're all kind of SOL, what, um, what happens with all of these, uh, this integration and, and notifications? Yeah, it's a great question. And um, by the way, I apologize. I hope the uh, noise behind me isn't too loud. It seems like working from home is a, uh, a tough thing to be doing today. Um, but to your, to your question, there's a lot of work that's going into making sure these systems will continue to work in an offline environment, meaning if your network goes off, but if your power goes out and there's no backup generator, you are going to see an issue in terms of the systems just not, not remaining, you know, not continuing to work. Um, you know, music, TVs, any cloud-based service certainly will not work when your, um, you know, your power goes out. 
But in terms of having an offline system, that's something that many, many of us are working on making a reality, hopefully in the near future. Very good. So I'm curious uh, from each of you, if you could really give us some technology that has the biggest consumer impact. I know we've kind of touched on this a little bit before. Would you say it's the connected security, safety, sound, lighting, or all of it? And maybe Katie, we could start with you. You've been a player in the industry for as long as anyone. So are you seeing any trends in 2019? So I think, you know, in keeping to the, the construct of the question, what's going to make the biggest consumer impact, I think it's all of the above, but it isn't as individual technologies or components of technology that are going to make a large consumer impact. I feel, I believe that it's that 2019 is a year where all of the technologies are converging and, and sort of gelling um, in such a way that now there's, there's an integration that can happen and that brings the entire technology experience together, which kind of came turned into a bit of a jumble there. But when you're talking about lighting, security, networking, automation, you know, all of all of those as individuals, now all of those are very well integrated and down to the voice level. So, you know, as Alex was was saying, and as systems are getting more um, robust, it, we're able to combine commands now. So we, we can ask for the home for the lights to, to dim, for the shades to drop, for the projector to turn on, the oven to warm, um, espresso to pull, and toast to drop, all in sort of one smooth experience. At least we're, we're getting to that one smooth experience. In the past, while some of that was possible, it wasn't as seamless, it wasn't as integrated, it certainly wasn't as enjoyable as just being able to talk to the room and have cool things happen. Um, so I think you just from a consumer impact, it's the fact that technology is now um, sort of packaged and presented in a way that makes it very easy for most people to engage with. And for those who are really geeky to plus it up a level and get a professional involved to really um, take it to, to that next level. And you know, the, the guys and gals like Alex was, Alex was talking about the AV integration side. So that, that's just kind of where I sit. Tony, what do you, what do you think? Um, I think it's, it's becoming accepted. I think that the fear factor has been removed. I think that there's great value there. Um, and it's simple. It shows great value. It makes your life easier to manage. People embrace it. And that's pretty much uh, how I feel about it. It's not just a toy anymore. Sounds good. So do you have, so each of you, if there was something in the home that you couldn't live without, what would it be? Anything? I'm going to say music. So that gives you the sense of being zen, it puts you in your comfort zone, helps out the mood. Yeah, and I think that's what we're hearing is it's about the experience, it's about your lifestyle, and what is, what is it that makes those um, products really stand out for you? Alex, do you have anything specific that you can't live without? I'm sure it's all of it, but... <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely the whole package, um, but if I were to pick just one, it's not initially the, the sexiest product, but my smart lighting system is just amazing. I use it every day. You know, we have a lot of guests in the house. I can remotely open up my phone, turn lights on, control that. I can walk in, give a voice command. I can dim it, control, you know, across floors, across rooms. It's, it's just a staple. I mean, to me, it's, it's analogous to electricity. It's not the sexiest thing, but if that were no longer a smart system in my home, I would immediately notice an inferior experience. And how about you, Katie? Anything that stands out as something that you feel like you can't live without? Uh, so I'm, I've just towed in on smart lighting, and I 
can't give it up now. So yeah, I think I'm all about lighting and, and the, the obsession kind of started early last year. Um, on the AV side of the world, it really became a hot topic and with Lutron picking up Ketrim, it, uh, it just sort of exploded and came onto my radar. Um, I've had the opportunity to test out a Savant bulb now in my office and I gotta tell you, being able to control my lights just from an app on my phone is awesome. And I want it throughout the house. I want it everywhere. It's, it's amazing. Awesome. We just got back from Germany and learned that they're now um, having drones deliver pizza and beverages to you. So I'm just, I'm excited to see where this all goes and happy that the kitchen bath industry is on the cutting edge of implementing this into the home. So on that note, let's uh, wrap this up. Uh, this podcast is on the connected home. Thank you to our guests today. We will be back with another episode of KB Talks powered by the NKBA in just a couple of weeks. Until then, be sure to send your feedback and topics that you'd like to learn more about to nkba at flyingcamel.com. Stay tuned for a quick NKBA minute. Why belong to the NKBA? The NKBA makes you smart. With membership, you get access to exclusive business insight, design trends, technology and consumer behavior, the facts you need to grow your business, and professional development opportunities to keep you on top of your game. We save you money. The cost of your membership is covered many times over by free or discounted passes to KBIS, research studies, and learning opportunities. Your professional profile on our website is a free marketing tool for you to showcase your best work and get discovered by potential clients. We raise your credibility with certification. Only members are eligible to apply for the industry's most trusted hallmarks of expertise, the Certified Kitchen and Bath Designer Designation. Certified designers have the potential to earn more and gain confidence among clients and peers. So, come join the Kitchen and Bath Industry Authority. Visit nkba.org to join today.